Okay, so we're uh, Sunday after Easter. Sunday after Easter. So enjoyed uh, our friends with us last weekend and uh, with their music, Ty and Bridget Allen, and uh, I enjoyed that. Just a uh, blessing. As well as everyone that here and brought food for the breakfast, and thank you so much. And uh, so. If you were one of the disciples and Jesus had ascended, made his ascension back to, to heavens, to heaven as he declared in the, in the first chapter of the book of Acts, and he commanded them to wait for what? The power of the Holy Spirit. And he would come and empower them to go out and be witnesses. They would preach the word of God and signs and wonders follow their pro- proclamation of, of the word of God. Something was burning in their heart. They were uh, a little bit confused for a while. But I believe with all my heart that the help of the Holy Spirit came, just as Jesus promised. In the book of Acts, it says that they were gathered in one place for approximately 10 days, 120 or so, and that's an accomplishment in itself, isn't it? Right? You can stay together for 10 days with a group like that and, and be, believe God for great and mighty things. Something happened. God came by the Holy Spirit and empowered those people. They spoke in a different language. They didn't know what they were speaking, but they knew it was from God. As others looked on, they mocked them and felt, saw, oh, you guys are just filled up with sweet wine. And, you know, but Jesus used these vessels, human vessels. There was something more than humanity that was taking place. There was the eternal Holy Spirit that comes to live within you and I. Because God, the Holy Spirit, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in, was one. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is one we can pray to. He can we can talk to him. And the Holy Spirit helps us to remember things. How many appreciate that? Come on, I've got to have an amen on that. If you got a head, he'll help you remember things. But here's the deal. You have to put some things in your heart, right? You put the word in your heart, and then the Holy Spirit brings it to mind. Helps you, helps you bring it up again. I'm so glad for that. I say there were a lot of things and questions that the disciples had, but some... Uh, I begin to believe that the Holy Spirit was beginning to help these apostles. As Jesus said, when you step out, I'm going to be with you. How many have had conversation with people you never, you didn't know what you were going to say when you got there, but you knew the Holy Spirit took over and he gave you words to speak or he gave you ears to hear what was being said. And so as we get down into chapter 2, when we get further down into the verses 42 through 47, it's going to be our primary text for today. We're going to look at what were the patterns of the early church, and our title is Keep On Keeping On. And that was probably, that just kind of came to me, but in some way we could, can we do that, keep keeping on? Because the world needs Jesus. The gospel needs to be proclaimed. The good news of Jesus saves 
that Jesus heals, that Jesus delivers, that Jesus has a place for you and I in heaven. When we look to him, he's preparing a place even now. Peter was a different man. Remember how Peter, his personality was probably outgoing. He stood up. He stood on the water. He walked in the water. He was, he was always the one. He, you know, he was the one who was eager. Let's go. Let's let's do it. I'll die for you, Jesus. But then, reality hit. And Jesus said, "You will deny me." Isn't it good to know that even when we fail, Jesus still chose us. Amen. He doesn't. He knows that we have weaknesses. He knows that we have imperfections. Calls us anyway to follow him, to believe on him. And so Peter takes his stand, and that's in the third chapter. We're going to deal with more or less uh, these verses, chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Jesus has got to be smiling in heaven. When he sees his children obeying him and stepping out in faith, Jesus, and by the Holy Spirit, if he puts something into your heart to say or to do or to write a letter, whatever it may be, to encourage someone else, that's what it's all about. So the pattern of the early church was they were continually devoting themselves. Verse 42, Acts chapter 2. They were constant. They were hungry to learn more. They were hungry to find more truth. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So there's at least three things right there that characterize the early church. Guess what? Those three things ought to be characteristic of the church now, the body of believers. Number one is we have the word of God, that we have the, the teaching, that the word of truth is the reason we can exist, we can build on. What is the world right now? What is happening in the world? There's a lot of chaos, there's a lot of upheaval, there's a lot of unknownness, there's a lot of uncertainty, there's a lot of things that man is trying to fix, right? But God has the answers for human people, and it is the Word of God. Paul wasn't always a Christian. Apostle Paul Remember, he wasn't always walking with Jesus. He thought he was in right relationship with God. He was living by the law. He was zealous. Things about God. He was a Pharisee. He was well taught. But there was something missing, which was his relationship with Jesus. And so when anyone, we can, when there's a lot of religions in the world, but there's only one Jesus. He's the true God. 
God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we look at these verses, we say, they were particularly devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Let's just look at that for a moment. What was Apostle Paul like? He was, he was a mean person. He drugged people out of their homes to have them put to death in the name of God. He stood heartily agreeing while Stephen was being stoned. Remember that story? While Stephen was being stoned with a young man who was in hearty agreement. But something happened, something happened, and Jesus came into Saul's life. Basically transformed his whole, whole being, turned him upside down, inside out. He was no more like he used to be, though the church wasn't too sure about it at first. I heard about that man. I'm not so sure. In fact, one was called to go pray for Paul, right? And he said, oh boy, wait a minute, God. Are you sure about this whole thing? Have you ever asked, have you ever talked to God? Are you, are you sure about, you know, are you really and as it was, Saul became a true follower because the proof is in the lifestyle. If we profess to know Jesus, then we will become more and more like him. We ought to be becoming more and more like him in his character, in his likeness. And the world's problem today is in need of more people that will be like Jesus. A walk the truth. And so, Romans describes it this way, as Paul was converted by now and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote in Romans 1, verse 16, these words he writes down, for I am not ashamed, this is Paul speaking, I am not ashamed, I am not ashamed of what? I am not ashamed of the gospel, the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That's good news. The Jew first and also Greek. See, Jesus crosses all denominations. Jesus crosses all culture barriers. Jesus crosses, and as we've had missionaries, by the help of the Lord, be able to translate scriptures into other languages. Therefore, the truth can get out. We're so thankful for the truth that we can have. I remember receiving a New Testament when I was a little boy, one of the Gideon New Testaments. Remember when the Gideons used to hand them out at the schools? And I was so proud to have my own little New Testament. But I, my brother, my brother's here who was in Vietnam, and he gave me his testament that I think he used it in Vietnam. And I, I treasured that little New Testament. And I remember reading those little pages. I could read then without glasses, no problem. It was my Bible. It was truth. You know, later on, as I graduated from high school, it was, it was kind of a tradition that the church gave Bibles to the graduates. It was a tradition. Because we knew that would help young people get a start in their lives. I've had a youth pastor that gave me a Bible, and he wrote something in it. And it meant a lot. Because all in all, when you come back down to it, 
what's in your heart, what's in your heart is going to make us who we are. What we think on is going to make us who we are. It's, it's what our mind dwells on that makes up our character, that makes up our whole being. And so these, these apostles were teaching. They, had, they didn't have the New Testament as we have it. They had the Old Testament and they, knew, and they were under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and they were speaking. One of the main things that they talked about was that Jesus was who, who he said he was. And he had to come up against a lot of the, the religious folks of the day and convince them, you know what we need to realize? It's okay if people don't accept the truth. You just keep living it, keep loving people, keep demonstrating it. Not everyone is ready yet. We can't pick fruit we shouldn't, rather, pick fruit before it's ripe, right? Right? Are you with me? Fruit has, time, has to have time to come to maturity, then it, then it tastes good. Otherwise, it's not so good. And so, therefore, if the people around us in our community, you may be the one that helps move them to another level to make a step toward Jesus. And so the truth of God's word is that which is like a hammer and a rock at Chick-fil-A. Someone said, I heard this some time ago while I was in college, during the days that we lived in college, I think it was at our church that we were volunteering at. I remember Pastor Tom at the time said something to the effect that the, the word of God should never be uh, used as a as a billy club. And that means to beat people up with it. And that doesn't work very well. But to bring encouragement. And somehow, there was something turning in their heart. Jesus had left them, but the Holy Spirit had come upon them. And now they were more ready to receive truth. The Holy Spirit is their teacher. The Holy Spirit reveals truth to us. And so this solid biblical teaching is that which is going to be the foundation of the church, and it was of the early church, and it was, it was relative uh, to their day. And God has a way of bringing truth into all cultures. As a way, his word is living and active, as we read in Hebrews 4.12, that is sharper than a, a two-edged sword. And I vision that is it goes both ways. It goes every direction. It goes across denominational barrier. It goes across hardship. It goes into the valleys. It goes into the places where we don't understand because the God, the Holy Spirit, brings, opens doors and opens hardened hearts because of the Word. That works through. The church needs to keep the preaching of the, of the Word of God central. The preaching and the message of Jesus Christ needs to continually. And as they were teaching, 
We read also they were having fellowship. We all love that one, though. With fellowship, we just love, you know, and you know what goes along with fellowship. Usually there's some food involved. And that's a good thing. It's all good. Fellowship is, I think, deeper than deeper than just food. It's it's deeper than just having fun, but that's okay. The fellowship is I think when it really gets down to it is that we can have an opportunity to share our burdens, to share our joy, sure. But as the scripture says, cry with those who cry, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who so your blessing is my blessing. But also your sorrow should also become my sorrow. And your burden also becomes my burden. But the greatest burden bearer is Jesus. As we together, and sometimes there's just the need for someone to just listen, for someone just to stay focused and hear out what a person is going through. I believe there's a lot of lonely folks in our community. There's a lot of folks that, especially in the last couple of years, and tough to get out, and we are. We're hungry for fellowship. We're hungry to summon, to summon care. We're not made to sit and be alone. We're made to connect with each other. We're made to be in the body of Christ. We're made to be able to be encouraged one another. You know, the men's breakfast yesterday wasn't just about the food that we had, although it was good. But it was about the fellowship and just the interaction, hearing stories, even though it's just stuff that's just stuff about life that we identify, stuff that we pick up and there's a need and we can we know better how to pray for one another. I believe the church ought to be a place where people feel safe. Amen. They feel safe. They're friends, they're the companions, the people who they uh, worship together with uh, going to be there. It's no fun when you feel like you're going to a place and you're being condemned, you're being brought down or judged. That's not the church. The church of Jesus Christ is to be a place of encouragement. They were breaking bread. They're, you know, they were going from house to house. They didn't have a church building as we have. They were going from house to house. There were small groups. It didn't matter. In fact, there's some great dynamics that have to do in small groups. Well, the fellowship was taking place. It just seems like we really haven't, if we haven't connected with each other, it seems like we can go in and be the same as we can. So we have to make effort to connect with someone. I see you guys doing that. I see you guys entering in and, and mingling. Sometimes it's hard to get the service started. I was with a group of pastors the other day. They're the worst. Group of pastors are the worst. They have all this stuff. They're talking, mingling, going on. And I say, <clears throat> I'm going, okay, okay. Time to get this thing rolling here. They didn't, it didn't phase them. Unless you have a booming voice like Joe, 
Yeah, he has a way. Somehow you got to get people. But it's a good thing. It's someone people come together for fellowship. Fellowship is, is connecting. It's swapping stories, but not, and then they get past, you get past the, the surface, and somehow we get down to the, the area of need. You know, you've had this answer, how are you doing? And it's like, oh yeah, great. And my wife has another question, how are you really doing? Right? I mean, that's, that comes with time. That comes with relations, time knowing each other, picking up on stuff. And that fellowship, this, these guys are going to need encouragement. These guys are going to need encouragement of their brothers and sisters. Because if they got into the, to the ministry of, of preaching and teaching and going against the tide, coming up against well-learned, strict law, Pharisee-type people. He didn't want anything to do with Jesus. What was, it going to keep, what was going to keep them going? It would be that fact that they had a brother or a sister in the Lord that was covering them in prayer, that was going to be right there beside them. You see, two can put together, put flights more than just one. And then on the scripture goes that we can do more, we can go further, uh, we can go further because we're connecting with each other. The fellowship and prayer kind of went together. In fact, I believe it wasn't true fellowship until it was prayer. I think they didn't, they didn't, they didn't dismiss until it was a they didn't send out anyone except through prayer. And they would lay hands on the, on the people, and they would pray through them. And they would believe God, and they would pray for protection. How many know you're going to need protection when you're going to walk into the enemy's camp? Amen. When you're going to walk into a den of thieves, so to speak. When you're going to walk and take back the territory that Satan has. It's going to take prayer. It's going to take intercession. It's going to keep people seeking the face of God, encouraging one another. Not only do we need to keep the word of God in our heart and keep the fellowship and encouraging one another. In fact, as the scriptures teach us in Hebrews chapter 10, that we are not to forsake our assemblies together. In fact, that's a consistency. It's something that is, that is, a, that is a part of who we are. That, that we were talking about this over breakfast. In fact, it came up. But just sometimes things come up. Remember how we used to go to church four or five times a week? Well, at least Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. And then, you know, if you had a Bible study on the side, and it was, there, was, there was a lot going on. But we have to keep somehow finding Ways that we can grow, and not just about ourselves, but how can I encourage someone that's just starting in the faith? How can I encourage someone else as a young person? How can I be an encouragement to those who are going through deep trials? That are in a valley, or they're in a place, or in a hard place, or suffering a hardship, 
they're suffering a loss, they're suffering something that is in their body. Maybe they don't like to bring it out. But let's be sensitive. Let's be willing to pray. Let's be willing to be the church that Jesus talked about. My house shall be a house of prayer. Let's be the people like Peter. For while he was in prison, while for preaching the gospel, it says in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, that Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. The church needs to have a reputation of being able to pray when they know there's a need. And we can call so-and-so and the prayer chain begins to kick in and people begin to pray because that is where the power is. Acts 4.31, and when they prayed, they were gathered together. The place where they had, this is just unbelievable, the place where they had gathered together began to, I believe it was actually shaken. It was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak the word of God in boldness. Prayer begins to connect us with God. It is not just enough to be connected with each other, but we must be connected with God. People that are connected with God then have something to say or something to give because we are connected with God. You know what I find interesting? In the passage that I read about Peter was in prison. He was, you know, the church was praying and an angel came to Peter. Come on, we're getting out of here. What? Peter had to pinch himself. Finally, he got to the gate and he realized the angel left. Oh, I'm really, I'm not in a trance. I'm not in a dream. This is actually happening. And the servant girl runs out. You guys, you guys, you guys. We don't have to pray no more. Peter's outside by the gate. And here's the church's response. Come on. What, a, what, what kind of faith was that? They were praying for Peter, but he shows up. They go, ah, no way. And it's just like us, right? We know God can do it, but we're surprised when he does. I think that's a part of our humanity. That again, we just got to put it aside, push it aside, keep working, keep working your faith for God. Keep believing God. Keep exercising your faith. Not, not everything turns out the way we pray about it, but more things happen because we pray and then we, we don't pray. So prayer is, is much like a, a backbone to the body that keeps upright, keeps focus, keeps depending. The expectancy was unbelievable. You read it in verse 43 of the text. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Like, what's going to happen today? What's going to take place? 
many wonders and signs. Many wonders and signs were taking place. You know, signs and wonders oftentimes open the eyes of unbelievers. Not always, but oftentimes convince people there is a God. And even unbelievers or people that are maybe trying to make sense, I've had conversation with, and sometimes it goes like this. Someone was looking out for me. Right? You've probably heard that just somebody was looking out for you. Something happened, and you don't know how you got out of the ordeal without getting hurt or even killed. It's an opportunity to point people to God, the Holy Spirit, who loves all people, even before they come to believe. Just like he chose many and much of the crowd that followed Jesus, some were following him really because they saw a lot of miracles. They were fascinated. Some of them were truly converted until they understood that they had a sin problem and they needed Jesus. And they could make that decision. And so it comes down to what's the main focus? What should be the main focus of the church? That we honor God, of course, but that we're reaching people that have yet to come in. That all that we do and say will encourage people around us, that the community, that the family that you care about will come to know Jesus. So your prayer is valuable. God is looking for people that will stand in the gap, so to speak, the distance between people from God. Pray on their behalf that they will become a true believer. You know what happened? They were just doing church. They were just, it was just normal. They were expecting things to happen. As they preached and as they proclaimed, you know, not everyone received Peter's message. We read that earlier in the chapter. We read that some were just absolutely very, very angry. Right? Right? But others believe. And it's those others that make it worth it. It's those others. If that someone is on a back road somewhere in the community who needs to be encouraged, it's still valuable. Yes, there were 3,000 in verse 41. That's a lot of folks that believed. And it says they were added. They were baptized. They were added to the church. Verse 47, as they kept on 
praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day. I'm convinced that God is always up to it. He's always up to reach people. He's looking for folks that he can use. And so the Lord was building his church. How many believe you? The Lord can build his church. The Lord can build his church. And I pray that he'll build his church right here. That we will become, we will grow in our spirit. We will grow in our understanding and our relationship and our walk with him. But that we grow in numeric. That we grow in reaching others in the community. It's not just about us, is it? But it's the expectancy of what God has in mind, what he had in mind in the beginning when he created this whole universe. What he had in mind was that he would have people that would come to know him, that he could share his heaven for all eternity with men and women. Mind-boggling. But because of our sin problem, we know Jesus came to become sin and pay the price. So from house to house they went, from from place to place. They kept on learning, they kept on hearing the word, they kept on walking the truth, they kept on welcoming others, inviting other people in. They kept on reaching out in fellowship. They kept on believing God for great and mighty things. Why shouldn't we pray for miracles? Why shouldn't we? Let's believe God for miracles. Let's believe God for open door. Let's believe God for his miraculous, his sovereign hand. Let's believe God will give us favor. That word favor is that God himself is making a way where there seems to be no, having favor with all the people. You know, it helps a lot if a person can trust us, right? It really comes down to the community trust us. And so we, we have a responsibility Take the word to live it first and bring people into the fold, adding to their number. As this story unfolds, the next chapter, we're not going to get into it today, but things really got heated up because there was a miracle that took place. Things really got heated up in the religious field, in the religious work. It was, just, it, was a, it was a ruckus, and Peter just says, you know what? Ask the man yourself. Ask the guy who was healed. You know, ask him what happened. I was lame, but now I walked. It was Jesus. And so how do people argue with that? And so your personal testimony is powerful in the things of God. But we want our children and their children and a generation on and on to know the Jesus we're talking May we never lose sight of the true God. May we never lose. And so we want to pray today. I think it would be fitting for us to sing this song called The Blessing because it has to do with 
may his favor be upon you. I want his favor upon my life, but I want God's favor to be upon my family, upon my children. Right? And I know you probably do too. You want God's favor to be when those young people start out in life that they will begin to serve him right away. You know what's good about our Lord? He's patient with us. He's patient. I'm going to switch mics so we can sing into it. And so I invite you to stand. I want you to begin to think about God's favor just for a moment as we have talked about keeping on, keeping on, keeping on. Is this mic on? I don't hear it very well. But the Lord wants to bless you, not just so that you can be blessed, but that you can bless others around you. Amen.